0: episode 34 with jason blaine and special co-host mr brian edwards if you want to find out more about brian check way back on episode number three and it was a great conversation with him there Uh, we both sat and had a phone conversation with jason really enjoyed this one a lot jason's a great guy great singer great guitar player and living in nashville now original canadian boy sit back relax listen to mr jason blaine (laughs) All right. Well, we're rolling. We're here with Jason Blaine and uh, my co-host, Mr. Brian Edwards. Nice to have you guys on the podcast. And uh, here we are at the end of March, 2020, and we're stuck in this uh, COVID situation. And it's uh, crazy. It's pretty, pretty scary. What's 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 it like in, in Nashville now, Jason?
1: Well, first of all, th- thank you, Darren, for having oh. me on your podcast, and and Brian, Brian, it's nice to meet you. You too. Right on. Um, yeah, I mean, um, it's, uh, it's a crazy, crazy situation, you know? Um, we're just, uh, doing the best we can. Uh, we're in, you know, and they call it shelter in place here in Tennessee with, with my family and I, and we're just, uh, trying to do what everybody's doing, follow the rules. And, you know make limited trips out to the grocery store when we need to but just kind of wait for this whole thing to blow over and i kind of feel like 2020 somebody we need to hit a reset button on 2020
0: yeah you tell me
2: (laughs) do do we ever you Uh, know
1: tornadoes tornadoes here have ravaged the city and uh you know so businesses and people are already hurting from that and then you know this whole crazy coronavirus thing covid19 thing is really mess things up too and, and, uh, just created a lot of uncertainty. So I think that, you know, cool thing is that a lot of things are popping up country music, the country music community is rallying together yeah, like it always has. And and we're doing live streams. We're, we're popping in and we're doing a lot of this stuff. We're talking to, talking to friends in the industry and, and, um, just staying connected and sort of, uh, sort of, uh, getting through this together.
0: Yeah. It's pretty important for that, right? The conversation's really important and it's a small community. And I think you can reach out to a lot of people and just, just have talks. Like some people just, they just want to talk to other people that are like them, different musicians, different singers, cause that's what they're used to doing when they're on the road is hanging out with other musicians yeah. and you miss that, right? It's nice to be with your family and spending this extra time and, but you do miss your, your road family, your musician family. It's a different, different set of friends.
1: Different sense of humor, too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) I
1: I, I always come home with a pocket full of uh, road jokes that my wife doesn't appreciate.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They just don't see the humor in those, do they? No, no, no. no. no, Road road jokes, road humor stays on the road, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the way. I
2: think think that's one of the great things about country music from day one. I mean, the whole community has always been very tight knit. And I think that's what kind of kept it through a lot of things such as this and other disasters around the world and in times of when the economy is rough and everything else they all kind of seem to stick together and i think it's it's a good it's a good base for everybody to maybe learn a lot from is that you know this community is very solid and i think this brings it out more than anything that's what i'm sensing in the whole thing anyway
1: yeah i think so i i think you've definitely seen uh Back in the flood, when uh, we were here in 2010 for the the big Nashville flood, and people rallied together, I was a part of a song, a, a part of a great collaboration that Victoria Banks actually spearheaded and uh, wrote this beautiful song, recorded the Ocean Way with Eric Leg, and I was uh, happy to be a part of that. And um, it was, you know, it, you always look for the times when uh, when music carries us through, you know.
0: Yeah, it's a big it's a big deal when. Everyone gets together, and, and it's nice to see the community people getting together in their living room and, and live streaming, and you get everyone from your next-door neighbor up to Garth Brooks. And Garth was the other day, I'm not sure if you saw it, it was, it was great, Garth and Trish, and it was nothing too fancy. They weren't mic'd up and had fancy studio yeah. mics or anything and just sat around and, and played and told some stories, and man, it was it, captivating. I just couldn't stop watching it.
1: I just, I love those two. Uh, I've never met either one of them, but my wife met Garth Brooks at the Publix here in Goodlettsville, so that was, uh, I was pretty jealous, but that was the first, I mean, that's kind of the, I I actually saw that stream, uh, the Facebook Live thing that he was doing, and actually commented on it, I don't know if they'll ever see it, but Garth was the first show that I saw in 1993 in Ottawa. I was 13 years old. I went with a buddy and his parents, and and I remember watching Garth on stage singing. I think it was, I think it was um, the river. Or it could have been Unanswered Prayers, one of those two songs. And he was just you know by himself in the spotlight with the acoustic guitar. And at one point, the whole arena took over singing the words for him. Yeah. And I remember vividly thinking that I want to do that I don't know what level or how or whatever but but I just thought it was amazing how this man was entertaining uh, you know some maybe 20,000 people could have been with a song that he wrote and everybody was so moved by it and I was moved by it and I was already learning his songs by then on guitar but that that just really I think that that was the moment that planted that seed of a dream in my heart that uh, led me to want to write songs and then just really start dreaming about move into Nashville one day and settle in here and just being a part of this community where everybody seems to come from all over the world to be a part of, uh, of something bigger than themselves.
0: Yeah, it's great. Let's go back. And before actually we're going to go back to your beginning, I've seen you post a little uh, guitar playing riff from Joel Diffie today. And uh, it, it's hard to believe that we lost Joel Diffie today. I mean, I was, I think we saw that. Horrible. Yeah. Just, a couple yeah. of days ago I seen that he was going into the hospital and all of a sudden it's like, Wow And I, I think for our community yeah. that's the one thing that's gonna really hit home for everybody. Hopefully it makes everybody realize, okay, yes, I do really have to stay at home. I really can't have my friends over and, and
1: I saw that on social media the other day that that he had been admitted and that he had it, but it popped up today on the news feed that that he had passed away and I uh, I'm not too proud to tell you, I had a little cry. Like I, 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 I was overwhelmed with. It. I just become overwhelmed with emotion. I'm tearing up right now just talking about it because it just didn't. I, I just, you know, I just didn't expect that. I mean, he was only admitted a couple days ago, and you think he pulled through. God, 61 years old, you know. But it's these things start hitting really close to home because I and then I started thinking about it a lot, and I did that little video with the guitar. But it's more than it's. Anytime you lose some of your heroes like that from me from that era, I don't know. I feel like there's something deeper happens you you know you say goodbye a little bit to your youth and your childhood and that time of innocence or something because those were the guys those were the nineties it was it was me around the campfire with my dad and, and uncles and and friends that would join in and and we would play. Alan Jackson and we would play Joe Diffie and we would play Garth Brooks and Brooks and Dunn and Travis Tritt and Vince Gill and all those guys and Steve Warner. And, um, you know, so that, that just hit me, man. It just hit me with thought, with all the emotions and, um, heart goes out to his, his family and, and, uh, all
2: the fans that uh, definitely loved him. He was a big star. That's a, there's no doubt about it, especially in those days that you're talking about. I mean, everybody, i I'm watching the post now on social media. It's everybody I mean every newscast everything is praising the guy up and down and the songs that he had when you stop and look at the songs that he had, man, that was a lot of big, big hits in those days, especially oh well, yeah and and just a really authentic
1: country singer. I mean, it was just effortless. He didn't even right. have to try. he didn't even have to try. it was just he just had it you know and 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 um those songs like i, I the the guitar riff that I was playing today was from Pickup man. And uh, that was an amazing record. I mean, the musicianship that Brent Mason played, that guitar riff. And I actually, um, I didn't quite nail it on my little video, but I didn't. <laughs> that no, wasn't, that wasn't. It was wasn't, really good. It was pretty <laughs> close, but it wasn't, it wasn't Brent, you know. And, and those yeah. records, I mean, those were just incredible records, you know. And they they were just incredible craftsmen of, of their instrument and of the songs. And, and in Joe's case of delivering those country songs from, from Pickup Man to um, ships that don't come in, or, or things like just the full, or songs like "Home," the full range of of music, and that's what that's what I've always loved about country music is it really it checked all the boxes for me. Like you know, it's it's songs about life, and it could be songs for Saturday night, songs for Sunday morning, for faith, for family. It just checked all the boxes, you know.
0: Yeah, it's it was sad to, to see that, and you know, you see John Prine is struggling now too, and it's scary, but Let's move on to something a little bit more exciting. I <laughs> <laughs> guess we could yeah. go down this rabbit hole forever because it's oh, yeah. It's a scary oh, unknown. Yeah, yeah. Uh I know we're we're in constant talks here every day about what's happening with us in our future and we have our theater here and we're talking every day of whether we're going to be able to open this summer and a month ago you weren't even thinking that, right? You're just oh, okay, it's it's getting bad, but man Brian and I are actually supposed to have been we're supposed to be out on tour right now. I'm still following the tour schedule every day, and it's like, well, today we're supposed to be in Kelowna, or today we're supposed to be flying to Edmonton, or um, yeah. And yeah. it's 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 weird when you just sit back and and had all these yeah. plans and and you have a future, and all of a sudden you don't know what your future is. But I think it's going to be yeah. uh, a bit of a reset, right? And then it's it's some of it's going to be good, and some of it's going to be really really bad. Um, but I think in the industry. Um, The music industry, I think, especially performing live, I think part of it was a little bit getting out of hand where you take a festival date and the money that's been thrown around on some of these festivals in these big acts, you know, making millions of dollars per festival. and, And I think the adjustments are way out of whack from what. They, you know, a lot of these artists should be getting paid. Not that they're not worth it, but I think there's going to be a total readjustment in what people are going to be making over the next few years. So it's the tours aren't going to probably be as big. It's not going to be twenty trucks on the road. It's going to be like five or ten, or it's um, they're going to scale things down. I think it's going to be a big shift in um, on the whole touring market from. From the top all the way down, so I'm I'm interested to see how that's going to unfold. What you know for the good or for the better, but I think for whatever bad there is, always there's something that always yeah seems seems like the world needs to reset for some reason. I think these things come through every you know hundred years or so. It Seems like the last one is a hundred <laughs> years ago,
2: and say, like, okay, guys, time I wish to, they'd have waited for twenty five years. <laughs> I know <laughs> sure.
1: well, now we're fifty, but. I've, it's- I've never, I've never had to worry about making the millions of dollars per show that somebody else might have made, but I, but I would tell you that uh, you know I'm definitely thinking about my my band guys and and uh, my you know my front of house guys and monitor guys and 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 uh, and, and girls out out there too, you know the, I'm just, all all of our friends in the community, you know, <clears throat> I think that the thing too is that even on even on a, as a part of any conversation when we're talking about the music industry, you could be talking about uh, major shows or television or streaming or anything like that, people can only really think about you know the top you know like Bernie Sanders one tenth of one percent of you know of the <laughs> yeah. music industry. you know like really you can only think of the Taylor Swifts and Justin Biebers and Garth Brooks and all these things that's like represents like one percent of the music industry those guys and girls are the, are the like they they're the big earners but but oh my gosh i mean the the amount of people that make a living in this in this field of music from from lights to sound sound engineering front of house um drivers uh guitar techs um stage hands, musicians everybody i mean it's a massive massive industry that's that's uh, that counts on especially summer but i know you guys would are supposed to be on the road now but summertime is is that's hay season yeah for everybody absolutely you know and so there's a lot of nervous people out there that um you know they don't have millions and millions of dollars they've they're kind of they're counting on their summer it carries them through the winter yeah you know
2: it just and our industry is a lot bigger than people even think i watch these news stories oh talk yeah. and i can see where we were the first ones to go down i don't mean us personally but that our industry and the sporting industry but yeah. we went long before the sporting industry went we were the first ones to go because it was uh <laughs> It was just, you know, we were, especially in smaller auditoriums, they were petrified. If there was a school board or a city or a municipality yeah. running them, they were the first ones to pull the plug. And I think that you nailed it right there. I mean, if anybody ever knew the size of this industry, we're, we're going to be the last ones to get back at it full tilt, too, because yeah. there's going to be oh, yeah. this social distancing deal. And do you go into an auditorium now that's at 1,000? Does it now seat 250 people? Because you've got to spread them around. You got it. Right. That's what's going through my head with this thing. And I don't know. It's it's frightening.
1: Right. And, and, you know, and people sometimes people can sort of, um, I don't know, look down their nose at it, you know, and say, you know, well, you know, these these people need to get real jobs, you know, and it's the it's the it's the dreamers. Right. But then your heart breaks when your favorite singer passes away. Or your favorite actor, you know, it's not making or actress is not making movies anymore. We all gather around our television sets. How many times a year to watch the Grammys or the Oscars or the or the CCMA's or the ACMs or CMAs or the Opry to watch people entertain us? Because the the music becomes the soundtrack for our lives, and the and the movies uh, are a mirror of our of our culture and our image and, and seasons of time you know and so it's it's the the industry is made up of the dreamers yeah definitely
0: absolutely Got i was watching idol came on tonight and i've been following it a little bit this year then i realized well there the live shows are coming up so i went online so well, there's no way they could have the live shows starting in a couple of weeks so i checked on online of course it's postponed indefinitely. Yeah, and you think of all those kids that have that just waited for their chance to make it on idol and now they've made the top 20 and sorry it's yeah you know what's going to happen there i mean there's so many stories and so many tales to tell and like you said it is way larger than than that percentage of one percentage um yeah but yeah, it's. But
1: you know what, I can I will say there's a lot of cool stuff going on though. Um, I, you know, I've seen, uh, i have seeing yesterday I participated in something that was kind of spearheaded by a pal of mine, Dan Davidson. Uh, it was called Diesel Bird Music Fest, digital music fest, and it was on Instagram Live. And um, you know, there was some proceeds raised for Unison uh, Benevolent Fund, which is a great organization that that folks tuning into the podcast should be aware of. Um, they do really great work. You know, I've supported them, and I'm going to continue to support them any way I can. Uh, um, and they they exist to support uh, musicians, singers, and songwriters, people in the music community in in times not like this, but like this. I mean, I don't think that anybody's ever you know experienced anything quite to this scale where they've get they're getting. More applications than they've ever had, obviously now. But but they've been around to help folks out when they if they've taken ill or for some reason they can't go and do what they do. And there's not really, you know, you fall into this weird gray area where you you haven't been maybe contributing to an unemployment insurance plan through the government thing. So yeah. so in steps Unison. Uh, they recognized this years ago, and, and those those folks just do fantastic work. Thankfully, you know, my my family and I, you know, we we haven't had to, uh, we haven't fallen on times that hard, you know, um, but who knows, man, uh, I'm turning 40 next month. So, you know, there could be some, <laughs> some time down the road and I could be, uh, you know, I'd need some help. So, you know, what goes around comes around. So any, you know, you got to support organizations like this.
2: As a songwriter going through this sort of stuff, how does your songwriting brain kind of work? Are you tend do you tend to write more sorrel type stuff or do you take a complete turn and try to write more positive, happy type stuff that takes people's mind away from all that sort of stuff. I I, I wish I could tell you I've been writing. I
1: haven't been writing a thing. I've just been kind of, um, in, in, I don't know, family protective mode. I, I I I certainly haven't felt like, like, um, I haven't felt in the writing mode right, right now. We've been, we've been entertaining the kids playing board games, kind of huddling together. Um, I, I always kind of go to uh, to writing, you know, for, as a discipline. I mean, I do it pretty pretty faithfully. So I kind of feel like we're on a bit of a pause right now, um, and uh, I would love to get back to it at some point here. Um,
0: You're in a different mindset now than normal. It's not absolutely. easy to get into in into work uh, or your normal stuff. I've been just trying to find things to do around the house that gets my mind off of anything. And even getting into my studio, I've, I've, I've walked in a bunch of times and, and I think, wow, this is a great time for me to do this. And, and, but I, my mind's not there. Like I can't, I feel like I'm just can't step in here yet. Not that it doesn't feel appropriate. It just, I don't know. I just don't have the mojo for it right now.
1: That's I'm a good s- word. I don't, yeah, I don't have the mojo. uh, you know, I don't know, um, I I feel like I want to do some creating and and I might, you know, uh, in the next coming uh, weeks and days and, you know, but uh, I haven't, uh, I don't, I don't know what, what I'd write. I don't feel like, like a peppy, uh, I I just don't feel like uh, something fun right now. I don't feel like, uh, you know, that's just not the mood I'm in, you know, so I can't force myself into I, I I want whatever uh, I'd be creating to feel authentic, and I also don't feel like
2: going to like a a, a super sad melancholy place either right now. No.
0: Yeah,
2: I think we're all in this lull. Like I just <laughs> said to Darren, I've been self I've been self quarantined for fourteen days. I've never been home for fourteen days in forty years because in this music industry you're never home, and if you are home. You don't want to stay there anyway. That's what we do, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. your, your you've no kids have got four children. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's, a, it's a bit of a difference. But I said to Darren today, I mean, the motivation is zero. I mean, I had a bunch yeah. of papers that the sign, and checks to sign. They're still sitting on the desk in there for two weeks. I just yeah. don't want to touch them, you know? <laughs> it's crazy.
1: Totally. But, you know, I, uh, I did the live stream the other night, and uh, that felt great. I hadn't done that before, and that was – I don't. I don't actually know. There was hundreds of people on. There might have been even been a thousand people or more on because people started different watch parties, and there was like like fifty different shares and and a, and a couple dozen watch parties and stuff. So I'm not sure exactly how many people tuned in, but it was it was nice to have that connection. I could see that I was reading some of the comments as they were going up, and I was performing, and you don't get the applause, you know? No. But uh, but at least you feel uh, you feel connected to uh, to a group of people and um, you can sort of um, just connect that way, maybe.
0: Yeah, it's it's a neat thing that you can do. And even with Instagram and Facebook, they do it really well. Um, And I know Instagram up their game a little bit. And I see a lot of Instagram videos where they're phoning people in and they're coming in and out. and, And I think, man, that's pretty slick. You can sit here with your little iPhone and produce something that would have cost uh thousands and thousands of dollars 15 years yeah. ago you know 10 years ago
1: yeah yeah if there's ever a time to be to be quarantined i mean we've got netflix we've been watching the <laughs> like, we've been watching the tiger king if you haven't seen that that is some crazy crazy shit you gotta check that out i heard about
0: that today someone was telling me they were watching it and i had no idea what that was so i have to check it out
1: no, maybe by the time this, this airs or something, people will be be hip to it. I've been seeing it's kind of become the quarantine Netflix thing to, that everybody's been uh, talking about. It's you know, I've seen a bunch of friends post about it and, and that's what got me into it. So we we've been my wife and I just binged that thing that was that was a trip. That was a like uh like watching a train wreck, but you can't look away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I've often thought about it if this would have happened twenty five years ago with no internet, no Netflix know this, know that. I mean, what the heck we, we would have done? I mean, I remember my first cell phone weighed about 35 pounds back in the early days. And I mean, you wouldn't want to be lugging that. You couldn't go anywhere anyway. So it's just it's thank God for all that stuff. Or we'd be totally whacked. Oh, yeah. I, our, and our kids have no idea. Our
1: kids like they have no clue. We literally uh, have been we started forcing them. This is kind of cool, though. We forced them to play a board game. We we took all their electronics on it until they successfully played a board game together without fighting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> not <Isn't> that great? <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah, we're like, okay, because because they, it was a, the first attempt was a disaster. They were all they were ready to kill each other, you know. And and then we were like, okay, this is this is crazy. And and in some some way, there's this there's a silver lining to this, as scary and as uncertain as it is. There's the silver lining where we've all been kicked off of life's treadmill. And we're forced to stop and slow down and appreciate—not um, that—not that we didn't before, but just appreciate food on the grocery shelves, you know, uh, on the grocery shelves of the stores, and 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 uh, just time to play a board game and talk to one another and uh, be connected. And we can kind of come out of this on the other side. We can use this um, time to uh, connect like that or, and and learn from it and grow from it and connect with each other as humans and realize how connected the world is. I mean, you know, borders are, they really are the, you know, the, the fictitious things they don't care about. They don't care about uh, politics and they don't care about uh, your, your feelings. This, this, this virus is indiscriminate, isn't it? You know, it's just any country in the world could, become affected so we're all connected as as people and um and and it's i think it's bringing a hope it's bringing people together and not driving people apart yeah
2: i think it is i really do i agree with you 100 percent. i mean it's brought it's brought the, there's an old country song that will and jennings had out called stop the world and let me off that's exactly what's yeah. happening the world is yeah. stopped and we're yeah. all we are getting off whether we want to or not we have to sit back and just put things back to the way it used to be and i think that's where the music industry is going to really thrive in this whole thing because it's one of the real things we can grab a hold of and yeah definitely with, you know.
1: definitely like i don't i don't think that things like this like i'm not i'm not the person that believes that things like this come from god necessarily you know um but i think that your perspective can can really teach teach you what to do with it you know you can um we we had a we had a uh today's sunday as we talk and we had a little um a group chat a virtual thing with our small group from from our church and we were talking about it and sort of supporting one one another and um you know you could you could your perspective in these things could be used to um to grow from and to connect and to find the silver lining and find the blessing in the in the the darkness find the light in the darkness of the situation really
0: Yeah it's important you have to find the positive thing to to come out at the other end with and i think the connection that everyone's making with one another i know i've i've reached out to to people i haven't talked to in a long time and and i go through my list and say oh i should really check in with this person i should check in with this person and you check in and they get back to you and they're so happy to hear from you and yeah and it makes me think well why did i wait this long to reach out yeah exactly and exactly. you know it, it really feels good that way you know and, and
1: yeah just tonight i had a facetime call from an old friend of mine that uh, that we used to play in a band together and, and we hadn't talked in, in forever and um you know i just it's hard because I, I i'm like i said i'm turning 40 next month so i wasn't really here in the in the 60s for the for the jfk era or or the or the the Watergate era of, of Nixon or or World War two or, or the Spanish flu or things like that or the Great Depression so I don't actually know I can't I have no sense of the level of intensity of those eras for for parents or grandparents but I know that like a lot of people would say and you'd see people on television say like just before all of this started and maybe even now that there had never been they don't remember a time where the where the, uh, the dialect and where the, the volume and the noise of the, of the sort of intensity of maybe hatred for, for other sides of politics and everything, just the noise of the world was so loud and so intense. And I'm really – maybe we'll go right back to where we were. Who knows? But I'm hoping that, that this time, you know, as we're kind of forced to shut down, we'll just sort of force everybody to take a breath and work together and realize how fragile all of this is i mean it's all just fragile and and we're just getting shown humbled here by this thing how fragile everything is all of the little things we take for granted
0: yeah i was, I was talking to my family today and and we were saying we were working uh doing just all these spring cleanup the last few days all this stuff that we've been wanting to do and and We said, normally, probably at this time, we would have just said to one another, let's just go out for something to eat. And, you know, we worked all day. We're tired. Yeah. Um, And no, we're just going to eat at home. Yeah. we, We talked about that. And so you get so used to that comfort of just going out and grabbing something. And that's pulled away from you to some extent. We're out in the country here, so we're not. It's not easy to right. order. You can't order Uber Eats here or anything, right? You just you just go to your you go to your freezer and you 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 just start working through and and be creative. And it's just I'm really there's a part of me that is really enjoying it, um, right? And there's and right. there's a part of me that's terrified and and scared yeah. and and anxious, but the opposite side feels really really great. And we were talking this morning too as well, about our, our summer season at our theater. And I'm thinking if we don't end up having it, I haven't, I haven't had a summer off in 20 years and that's working every single day of the summer. And there's part of me kind of going, I wonder what that feels like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because I haven't, I haven't had that for so long. And there's, there's a part of me that's terrified of losing that because it's such a big thing. And then there's the opposite side that somewhat feels geez, that's going to be pretty interesting. I mean, I can, you know, just cut the grass whenever I want to. I can um, sleep in if I want to or, you know, just kind of enjoy the sunshine and have a barbecue when I want to. You know, it certainly is the opposite. And it's the part that creeps up at night when you go to bed and start thinking about things. And, And it's like all of a sudden you realize well, wow, this really is terrifying on the other side of yeah. this. So.
1: <laughs> well, and it, and it might not, you know, that, that's the crazy thing is it might not be our choice. Um, you know, I, I've got a, a charity um, event that I host in my hometown of Pembroke. Um, and this would be our seventh annual coming up in June. Yeah. And um, like we said at the top of the call, um, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, we had a conference call talking about this. And uh, at the time, I would I was feeling pretty good that, that we were far enough out. And now as things continue to unfold, it's become even more uncertain that our event is actually scheduled for June sixteenth and seventeenth. Yeah. We do a concert on a Tuesday night, uh concert fundraiser and then we do a golf event the next day. And I mean even though that's the middle of June, it's got me uh anxious and concerned for the event that we might have to look at that the next time we have a, a conference call, uh but we've been, um, it's been a labor of love for the past, uh, you know, well, six, and now this will be year seven, um, and just having special guests, artists, friends of mine from, from all over Canada, country music artists, and, uh, even a few, uh, sports celebrities, um, have been out and, uh, we've ra- managed to raise over $500,000 for local charities and that, uh, I think that some of them I mean, you can come to expect that we'll, we'll do this. So, uh. I'm definitely feeling, feeling that pressure that hopefully we can do something.
2: Jason, take us back a little bit back to the early days. As I mentioned to you earlier, I'm quite familiar with the area you're from up there. I mean, how old were you when you first really got into this big time?
1: Um, I think it got real for me. I mean, I started, you know, I started uh, playing in a, in, a, in a band with, with my dad and, and, my dad's a bass player. He's he's 65 this year and he still plays um, like 3 gigs a month. You know, he's he does like, you know, the the 10 till 2 and carry out the PA system So You know, he's still, <laughs> it's <great>. it's, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and and as my type Clark, of guy. <laughs> yeah, and and, he, and he, he refuses to go to a smaller cabinet so he still he likes to push air on Sage. he's got a Harky 410 cabinet that he <laughs> he drags in and out of the basement every every gig. Wow. And so he's, he's, he's done that. i I love that. I just love it. And he still does it. And, and cause that's my early memories was, was my going down to the basement and opening up my dad's, bass case maybe on a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning and, and the smell that would come out of that bass case of like just <laughs> nightlife, right? It was oh, he yeah. didn't even he didn't even smoke or drink, but it was the eighties, so it was just cigarette smoke and booze and nightlife. And it was like, wow, what is that? You wish you could bottle that up and you know and, <laughs> and uh, you know, so that was it for me. I was bit by that bug early and, and then I ended up uh, having my dad my dad played bass. I brought I bought my brother a drum kit. Um, that he actually only just parted with. He sold to somebody this past year, actually. He had it all this time. He had a, a newer, better one, but he had always kept that drum kit. Um, and then a couple of other local musicians, and we played the little circuit around Pembroke um, until I graduated college, and I moved to the Kitchener-Waterloo era. And that's where we, uh, Darren, we we have a lot of friends in common. That's where I yeah. met you know uh, uh, Rick Hut and the Cedar Tree Studios crew, and and Jason Barry and Shane Goosey and Stacy, and um, all those wonderful people around around that area uh, that, that just became dear dear friends uh, of mine. We, my wife and I, lived five years um, in K Dub, and and we uh, I played the bar circuit around Toronto from from Kitchener to Toronto up as far as North Bay sometimes, and and uh divey little places uh but but they they paid at least a chunk of the bills it was a a guy uh it was who was good to me i'll send him, i'll give him a shout out his name is joe firth oh
2: yeah and in the uh, promised land i don't do yeah, very well yes yeah. I, still, I
1: still have the i've got it in my room i've kept the joe firth in the promised land and uh he would call with some shitty gig somewhere and i would be like oh man i don't know if i want to go back to the queensway joe and Trent, or something." <laughs> he, he's like well two you know two hundred dollars that you didn't have before <laughs> that's true <laughs> and, and so i would go and and uh, you know i do these gigs and at one point i i there was a singing a contest that came up and it would it kind of it predated Nashville star, it predated American Idol, if you can believe that. God, I'm old. I'm not even old. But <laughs> <laughs> God, but it, you know, it, it, it was, it was this, a first, the first ever uh, uh, Project Discovery, and it was put on by the, the Canadian Country Music Association and CMT Canada participating course stations and it was jamie warren's wife beth yeah. uh at the time and, and uh, they're always very sweet people to me jamie's a, a dear friend been to my wedding sang at my wedding and was uh really the first person that he my dad talked to him randomly when he came to pembroke um and did a show in pembroke and that's really what started this whole thing for me that was the first kind of famous person that i, I ever met they invited me out to the show in Pembroke, and I got up on stage, and, and Jason Barry, I think, played drums, and Chappie played bass, and I played his guitar, <laughs> <laughs> Paul Chapman, wow. for people that don't know, yeah. one of the best guitar players out there, Paul Chapman. And and uh, anyway, then when I had moved to uh, Kitchener-Waterloo to be closer to to those guys, and, and that, that whole scene, uh, this contest came up, and uh, I went through all the preliminary rounds, and I made it out to Calgary, and... Um, you know I, I entered this this contest and I had made it out to calgary and and um you know, I performed my songs in front of the judges, and I didn't win i didn't even play second um but it was a it was an experience and that year was nine eleven wow um oh boy so the, the very next day it was nine eleven Aaron Fachette was the winner and um so it was bittersweet I'm sure for him you know that you win this contest and the next day it's nine eleven so a year goes by, I go back to the bar circuits and a year goes by and, uh, this contest comes up again and, uh, man, I got no money and I got no, no reason not to do it again other than, you know, it was, you know, kind of, a, a grueling and a big disappointment, but I did it and cause I had, I knew of no other way to kind of, you know, get into the industry. So I did it. And then the following year I actually won the thing and, um, I got to have a, uh, uh, a single produced, uh, by Tom McKillop. And, um, and, uh, th- that single was a song called, that's what I do. And it, yeah, I own my publishing on it. I wrote it myself and, oh um, I got my, I uh, got my first soak check. <laughs> uh, I think the first one was maybe $80. And then the second one was like $12,000. And it was the most money I'd ever saw in my life, you know, that's from great. anything. And, um, and that one made, that one did really well. And we ended up, um, gosh, that song, I, I ended up funding another, an independent record, um, Jason Berry produced and, and, uh, did a couple of sides with Rick Hutt as well. And, uh, but I worked with Jason mainly on that record. Um, and, and I ended up, uh, signing up a management, uh, deal with, uh, Randy Stark and, and, uh, we were off to the races. I, I, um, had a couple of singles that did top 20 from that album and, cmt videos and i basically used that thing as a as my that was my demo or that was my record that was my thing to take to nashville and, and say hey this is where i'm at you know and yeah that's a, that's what we did so in 06 we packed up a three-month-old baby girl and moved to tennessee it's good for you
0: yeah that's fabulous so what was that decision like moving to nashville what what made you make that that leap and what was that trip like going down there
1: uh, my wife cried from uh, Kitchener to uh, Detroit. <laughs> That's not bad. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and on, on and off, on and off, <laughs> not the whole, yeah. not the whole way. But uh, no, she, she she wanted to go too. It was just yeah. it was just a big scary move. Oh, yeah. we had a we had a three month old baby girl. We put everything into storage, and we had a year maternity leave. Uh, she had a good job. She was a teacher. At the University of uh, of Waterloo, um, in, in daycare, uh, ECE teacher, yeah. and it was it was a pretty good pay and had good benefits and stuff, and so she she was able to uh, take a maternity leave, and and we had like like I don't know if we had twenty five hundred dollars in savings, that might have been it, like just oh enough God. for a, for a couple months' rent, and there was a sweet lady, her name was Tammy Brown. And she rented uh, uh, what I thought was going to be like a, a, a studio apartment in her, in her house or whatever, uh, based on the emails. She was taking care of Jason McCoy's rental property. I had on, and I had met her on a trip going down, and she was working for uh, Olay Music Publishing. Sweet, sweet lady. Reminded me so much of like living with Dolly Parton or something. And she had that kind of a big, bubbly personality. And she was an industry veteran too. She worked at Sony. Uh, um, and worked through, she worked directly with the Dixie chicks and with Billy Ray Cyrus through that, through that era. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, she had, um, little did I know when I got there, she basically just converted the upstairs of her house into, uh, a, a master bedroom and a nursery in the, into the, uh, made the other bedroom, a nursery for our, our little girl. She just painted everything, bought a, a crib secondhand and, and, and did it all up and just welcomed us in like family. Wow. And, uh, and and she was an amazing lady. Sadly, about a year after living there, she uh, she started getting ill. She developed leukemia, and, and we lost her a couple of years later, after we had moved out and bought our own house and everything. But always kept in touch. And um, that was a, that was a deep that was a deep loss because she was such a an angel for us at a at a big pivotal moment in our lives. Yeah, moving there, and that she's you know uh, was there when I signed my first publishing deal in Nashville, uh, and, and, um, sort of semi record deal. And, and, um, she saw a lot of the, a lot of the first, the first thing that I ever did was a song called Rockin' my boot that I had was like the first song I wrote when I got here, I think with, uh, <laughs> Phil O'Donnell and, and Noah Gordon and produced it up and it sounded great. And it was my first number one in Canada and performed it on the show, on the award show. Like this was all within, within less than a year. We moved in the, in the fall of, well, I guess it was a year then. We, no, it was less than a year. We moved in the fall of '06, almost in November, and uh, by September 2007, I was closing out the CCMA Awards show on CBC. Wow, great! That's excellent. Boy, that's a rocket ship, right? That's good. It, it was, and then, and then you know, we toured. We toured like crazy across Canada. Ever, ever played everywhere for the next three years on that on that first record. I have five top ten singles from that record, and. That's right. um, and then you know, and then it's just been a, a roller coaster ride uh, of uh, of a lot of hits and some misses, you know, for the last 13 years.
2: That's great. Right, I see you're doing some work with Julian Picken. Right, he's uh, certainly yeah. well, very well respected the gentleman in the industry. He sure is. He sure yeah. is. He's
1: been around a while, and and he's you know uh, he he's managed to to get us some some great dates for the summer, including Boots and Hearts. That you know, I'd be. Would, this would be my fourth appearance back on that festival. It's oh, a wonderful, great. wonderful festival. Um, oh, that's great. They treat everybody so well there, and especially uh, the Canadian artists. Um, can't say enough good things about them. Stan and, and Eva, uh, and, and, and Brooke, actually, Stan's daughter and Eva's daughter, Brooke, uh, they run a great festival and, and nominated for an ACM too this oh, that's year. That's excellent. Very, very for good. Festival of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And, good stuff. Uh, some other some other dates, uh, too, would be in uh, Manitoulin Country Fest this year. Great. Um, always nice to get up there, too. That's a beautiful part mm-hmm. of the country uh, yeah. in the summertime. Definitely. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're lucky you're not doing the fair up there. God, years ago, we did that fair. You have to do two outdoor shows, and then you have to come back and do the dance at night inside the arena. So you'd end up oh, doing boy. about, oh, yeah, a four-hour dance and a three-hour afternoon show. So. It was, yeah. it was busy. <laughs> uh, Crazy. Yeah, it sure was.
0: So what are you doing, uh, on a regular basis in, in Nashville? You kind of tune in on, on the songwriting and the things as well. And, and what's your, yeah. what your life like in, in Nashville nowadays?
1: Also for the fa- for the past six years, I've been writing for curb, uh, word music publishing and, uh, man, like four or five days a week, you know, writing, uh, immersing myself in the, in the writing community. And, um, you know, and I've, and I've had some success with that too. You know, I I love creating, I love something to do every day, you know, uh, and, and, um, I really saw, you know, just being a father, a husband and and a father to four kids, I, I felt like it sort of gave me a really good anchor for me to be Uh, husband and a father and be home and not on the road so much and um, you know uh, trying to go after you know some songwriting heroes of of mine even even friends of mine like like Derek Rattan who's who's uh, just built a beautiful cabin in the woods you know on on like some 50 acres in in Gallatin just a dream you know after a 20-year career of songwriting where where um, is something that you can something you can really hang your hat on and have a have a you know, just do the thing, you know, and he's written songs for Blake Shelton or that Blake Shelton has recorded yeah. and, uh, and, uh, Jason Aldi and everything else. And so I've, I've had recently cuts and singles with, uh, our Canadian gal, Madeline Merlot has recorded, uh, several of my songs. Two of them have been singles, uh, neon love and over and over. I'm uh, Tim Hicks recorded the thing we worked together. We wrote together, um, the band, uh, the, um, Patrick, had a single out that we wrote together last year. And on the state side, there's an American group. Parmalee cut one of my songs yeah. um, a couple of years ago. And most recently, um, Chris Jansen just happened to have the record uh, in my hand.
2: There. <laughs> um, that he, up, uh, I love it. <laughs>
1: he's, he, uh, he cut one of my songs that I wrote with a couple of pals. And, um, you know, there's a lot of buzz about it. And, you know, um, we're just fingers crossed it becomes a single in the U.S. And that would be uh, a game changer uh, on, on the songwriting side of things.
0: Here, here's a question that probably comes up every once in a while. How do you feel about your move to Nashville? Did you feel that? I know a lot of Canadian artists feel that they, they have to get to Nashville to be successful or that's part of the, the, the journey. How do you feel about that nowadays? Um, do, you, do you feel you still have to get to Nashville or can you still just stay based in Canada and, and be successful?
1: I think at the time that I did it, I think it was necessary. Yeah. Uh, Um, I think it was necessary when I did it and I always really wanted to do it too. Like from a really young age, reading the the album liner notes, you know, and seeing recorded at, soundstage uh, or recorded at ocean away nashville tennessee or or the castle or wherever like i just knew that i wanted to be here and and working in this community and and uh, and hell at, at one point i wanted to be brad paisley i want to be on the opry and the acms and the whole deal you know yeah. um so i just knew i always wanted to, to be here doing it and and what i didn't know because you're a Probably a semi-narcissistic twenty-five-year-old, you know, just thinking about <laughs> yourself and your own ambitions. Yeah. Is that is that when you when you move here with a, with a three-month-old baby girl and you stay for thirteen years, well, then it becomes her home. Yeah, and uh, and this is this is her like Canada's not her home. Uh, my, Pembroke, Ontario, where I'm from, will always be my home. But this, but you know, or a big part of it, but this is her home and, and, and as well as our other three kids, I mean, this is all they know. Uh, two of them are American, you know, yeah. full on. Yeah. They, we don't even have Canadian citizenships for them yet. They're full on American and, and their friends have accents and their teachers have Southern accents. They don't <laughs> not, not yeah. extreme anyways may, yet, but, uh, but it's home. And then my wife has a, uh, an amazing community of friends that we've made that we've known over a decade. And I've got friends that we've known, for, for that long. And, and you become, it becomes, it feels like home, right? You plant roots somewhere. And so even if it wasn't music, we just, we fall in love with the area of Hendersonville, Tennessee and Tennessee itself and the city of Nashville and the community of, of friends and, and, uh, people we, we hang with here. Um, and, and we, we visit, we, you know, I think I probably always romanticize moving back, to my hometown and building my dream house on the river, you know, on the Ottawa (laughs) river or something like that. But my wife would send, she would send me back by myself at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I think to answer your question, Darren, I think nowadays too, uh, with like recording software has gotten so good that, that the studios, sadly, you know, for, for these amazing studios, they've become less important than, than they were, 10 13 years ago people are able to get sounds like to make these amazing records anywhere they can make them in in their apartment or something you know
0: yeah because it's funny because i've had this conversation before you back you think back um in the 90s maybe let's say back in that era you'd be listening to the radio and you could definitely hear when a canadian artist came on the radio if you didn't know who it was there was a particular sound to it that wasn't like Nashville and if you wanted that right. sound you had to go to Nashville to get yeah. it done and I don't know what that was there's definitely as good a players up here and always has been um but it was just not the same for some reason you could just tell the difference at least I could I you could just oh that's a Canadian production you just could hear it yeah but now well, you turn on I, the radio yeah. you, you you don't you don't hear that difference anymore it's it's right on par yeah
1: well and there's there's so many there's so many reasons for that you're right there are tremendous players my first record was was recorded in um toronto and and uh it was i had you know, amazing canadian players they're all canadian players on and it sounded uh they did a really really great job i mean they they you were the best players that we had and, and many of them played sessions in nashville too and and everything else but um you know those records out of out of Nashville with with the names that that I had read my whole life like Rob Haysacus on fiddle um um or or Brent Mason or or uh or Jeff King or Eddie Bears on on drums and somebody's i mean you know those were the names that I read on the the credits of Brooks and Dunn or Garth Brooks or Alan Jackson or whatever and to get to Nashville and and work with those guys. I mean, heck, I had a Brent Mason VHS uh, instructional guitar video, uh, (laughs) the one with the Western swing. And then here I am, you know, years later in the studio, you know, um, asking him to play this intro on my song that I wrote and kind of, and he's looking to me to be like, well, more like this and more like this. And I'm like, heck you're Brent Mason. I don't want to, I don't want to like tell you anything. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: like,
1: and he's like, he's asking me if it's okay. Like it was so, it was so surreal. And, and Rob, Hey Jake is, you know I mean? He's the guy that, that played the fiddle part on much too young to feel this damn old. And, yeah. and he, and he's like, he's like, are you happy with the parts I played? Is it, is it cool? I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. So but but you know the the crazy thing for me now in the time that we're in with with the digital age of of music and more and more samples of fake drums um everything being made basically on a computer it's it's a weird thing it's a weird thing for, i i think I maybe maybe not all of my records represent this because I'm also trying to be competitive on mainstream radio and everything too, but I am a, I actually am, I fight it because I actually am a purist at heart. I, I moved to this town to be around the best musicians I can be around and the best songwriters. And I think that there's a real spiritual element that comes from everybody who's poured their life's work into being good at this one thing, a steel guitar player. If it's Mike Johnson or Paul Franklin, I mean they've they've perfected this as a craft Every, everybody has yeah. and and so i don't want to use i don't want to use computer things I want humans on my records
2: boy that's good to hear yeah. <laughs> I like that
0: yeah it, it, you know it's funny you you mentioned about reading the liner notes and you know obviously I, I did the same thing and you you'd study and you get to know these people and you seen them they played on this album they played on this album but now you're just live streaming or you're you don't get albums and you're not looking at the back and you're not looking at the credits as much anymore. And I wonder about younger kids, if they're seeking out who's playing on these projects or else they just listen to them. Yeah. And it's taken
1: a long time. It's taken, uh, it's dragged its feet a bit, but it's catching up. I'm seeing more and more now. I'm seeing it come out on Spotify. I'm seeing, um, the streaming platforms, um, add that stuff in and it's really cool. And I think you're going to see a lot more of it because the musicians are calling for it, you know, the, the, all the, especially like for thing, important things like neighboring rights and stuff, you know, and credits, they're all calling for it. So it's happening. Um, and, and I think, you know, like on my, I have a new EP that'll be coming out in May and we, we still had, you know, people play on it. And, um, and it was great. I, I work with Danik DePell, uh, great musician and, and producer from em- the band Emerson Drive. Yeah. And um, and you know we had Mike Johnson into the studio to play on it, and um, and he played uh, steel on it. It was great to see him in person. Did you put person, your hands through
0: his hair to see if it was real? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty perfect, isn't it? I know. Pretty perfect. So you know, I love that human connection with everybody. And then and then Danek and I passed the electric guitar back and forth. I played more more guitar parts and solos on on this maybe than than I ever have, and. Um, which is, which was really cool and fun for me. Uh, and, and Danik helped make sure, you know, that, uh, I got all the good tones and, uh, and, and played my best. And that was, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, so, but it, you know, there, there are those, there's some elements of, of we have some loops and we have some things like that too on, on this thing. Again, trying to trying to be current and trying to sound fresh and, and inventive for me yes. as well. But, uh, but man, I tell you what I, I see, uh, Darren, I see, uh, uh, pictures and clips sometimes from your theater and, and of, of the old time country stuff and the traditional stuff and, and one of these days I'm going to do uh, either a traditional country EP or, uh, or a Roots country record or something like that because honestly that's the record I I just I've probably always just wanted to be, to be making Vince Gill Pocket Full of Gold 1989 my whole life really yeah <laughs> that was a good album
2: <laughs>
0: yeah well it's part of your your youth right I think it's that time period that you you grew up through, you grew up through all that great music and everyone was playing on yeah. everyone's album and that's the music you go back to. Right. And, um, yeah, it, it stays with you forever. Uh, and it's important, but it, it's, you know, you have to keep with the times you have to throw loops in and, and, it, you know, it's weird when you say, Oh, I've actually had people play on my album and people, don't, the average person wouldn't understand what that, means and you what do you mean there was nobody playing on your album um because it but yeah. it happens nowadays where it's just one guy who hits the keyboard and yeah creates a whole sound and that's your album and
1: uh, well i think that the 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 grammy album of the year the billy eilish record I, I believe that it was just her and her brother did it in their house like the whole thing yeah like he just she, yeah. in the bedroom and she yeah. just has this amazing voice and this amazing way to paint pictures and tell stories that relates to a generation and and he's just clearly a genius uh with logic and and you know there there you have it i mean it's it's like a, a record defining or a generation defining record at the grammys and but uh but you know what though there's 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 so many different things going on all at once and i really think there's something for everybody because then you have this whole chris stapleton movement over here that i love so much and brothers osborne and and uh even dirks record he went back to doing what i love him doing so much more earthy country and uh i can see myself doing a lot more of that in the future too because ultimately you can't you can't be what what you don't love either and i'm an old soul i I grew up on the Eagles and Alabama and those Vince Gill records and, and all that stuff too. And yes, I still want to be on, you know, country radio and, and, and be able to do the thing, you know, but I'm definitely at some point, if it, if it continues to go a certain way at some point, I'll I'll probably tap out and just start doing, you know, what I, what my heart tells me uh, I need to be doing.
0: I think it's all going to come around. I think the old stuff is going to become new again. You know, I like what's happening now and it's neat. It's different. Does it feel that a repetitious? I think so, but that's just my opinion. Oh, it's
1: already happening. There's great. And there's still great, great stuff out there too. Like there's still like, not, this is not to take away. There's, there's some stuff that, that is going on that I just don't identify with uh, maybe melodically and stuff because those, I can tell like those melodies are coming from different places or or some of the production is just coming from a place that I just don't come from. But then there's other stuff that I completely identify with and, and completely love and some stuff that, that Keith Urban's done very recently or Maren Morris or or Dirks or Brothers Osborne. And, and heck, even the stuff that some of the stuff that John Mayer does now, I'm like, I can hear the same. I can hear where that stuff comes from. Yeah. It's not like... You know, it's not foreign. I I, Like, those melodies, Vince was doing that, Rodney Crowell, and those guys were doing that years ago. Like, you know, they're just pulling. So things do cycle back around.
2: You mentioned uh, Mike Johnson. Well, he's been around forever and ever and ever. Like, 30 years ago, him and his brother were with Bill Anderson. So it's good to see him kind of still going with everything not just traditional stuff but you watch him on that rfd tv playing with bill anderson and those guys and you see him on these sessions and the next thing you know with reba and it's he's, he's one of the best so if you do one of those yeah. traditional albums he's your man yeah and and he's played on all all of my records uh oh, that's and great. Uh,
1: you know and uh, just uh you know it just takes it takes uh, a lifetime to like an instrument like like steel guitar. I mean, really you don't, you don't hardly ever see like a 20 year old, you know, virtuoso that plays, you know, with the sort of, with the detail and the intonation and the patience that, you know, a, a guy like Mike has, I mean, he's been now him and Paul Franklin. And, and then I would say Ed Ringwald out of Kitchener, Waterloo, I'd say Doug Johnson yeah. out of, uh, out, out of uh, the Brantford area. You know, those guys are in the same, in the same uh, league, you know, just uh, in Canada and, uh, you know, incredibly, incredibly proficient at that craft. And it's taken a long time. And those guys have all also been good for, Know a lot of years. I mean, it does take a long time. You know, some of them, a lot of them, are at like the top of the game now in their fifties. You know,
2: oh That's good fifties. You're don't being worry, kind. I like,
1: that. I like that. <laughs> ah, <they laughs> it might, might be a get, little.
2: might <laughs> be a <laughs> little <laughs> old. To top of the game. That's good. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It is one of those instruments, though, that you take steel. It's not an instrument you can just put aside for a while and pick up again and keep going it's one of those instruments that you have to keep playing and those guys they all play all the time i mean they just keep playing and playing and playing and playing and playing and that's that's why you get better and better and better and better it's just you know they've always been great but there's just subtle differences to when they get older and i think it's for every all of us i think we you just mature and there's you think about things differently. And.
1: Well, you got to You got to play. And you know what? I, uh, I actually picked up for the first time in, in, in 13 years of living in Nashville. This year was the first year I actually picked up a Broadway gig, a lower Broadway gig. Really? <laughs> just I was as gonna a, ask you about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I never had done it before. I was so just focused on, on the songwriting thing and, um, <clears throat> and not being out at, at night, you know, coming, coming home and, and <clears throat> being dad, but, but, and, there, and I had never, I, I, when I, when I first moved to Nashville, the very, very first attempts I tried to do it and I didn't make any money at it. Like it was just, I didn't see how I could survive doing that. So, uh, but now it wasn't, it wasn't from a, a place of like wanting to like worrying about how much money's in the tip jar down there at the end of the night. Although it is nice. If you kind of come out of there with a couple hundred bucks, that's good too. But, uh, but it was just for what we're talking about, like, I re- I was realizing that I was really missing playing in a band and not necessarily just playing my music, but just playing whatever, yeah. like just that just that sort of heads up, fly by the seat of your pants, you know, thing that happens when people somebody's requesting a song and you just got to come up with a solo or, or or learn the intro part on the fly or, or whatever. Just keeps you sharp as a musician, and I I want to do it more uh, a lot a lot more because. You know, even Vince Gill plays every Monday night at 3rd Lindsley with the Time Jumpers. Yeah. You know, he's
2: got like 22 Grammys, but he plays to stay <laughs> sharp. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that's been missing in this business for a long time. That that club scene, either it disappeared or there was lack of not wanting to do it. And I couldn't agree with you more. When you see these artists that don't have that experience or stay sharp, that's where they pick it all up. And I think it's great. I love exactly what you're saying.
1: I, I and I, th- I think in the in the club scene in Ontario and stuff, you know, back back there, maybe it's always been this way. I, I don't. I'll stand up on my my soapbox here for just a second and offer my two cents. And I, I anytime I would ever go into any, any place like that, if we had a night off, I'd walk into a place. There'd be some band playing. Uh, you know, they'd be playing "Fishing in the Dark" or. The show, or some songs like or, or Brown Eye Girl or whatever, and those are both great songs. Don't get me wrong, but it was like the, I never I I read off fresh set lists or uh, songs and stuff, you know, and, uh, and I think that you know sometimes I saw I saw different bands phoning it in and stuff too, yeah. you know. I saw a lot of good players, but you you know I think that um, you know more and more people have to find their way of <clears throat> drawing people in with their with their proficiency with their with their passion for it like do you really want to be up there is that the song you really want to play fishing in the dark is that your is that your whole passion i i i would be bored to tears back in those days whenever those when it, i played those songs so many times i wanted to be playing something new something exciting and something fresh and something that fired fired me up and um and and that's and probably that's why i didn't do it for years i was not in a hurry to go play the same damn songs down on lower broadway that i've just been playing in
2: canada for five years yeah but the good the good thing is though you had that in your background and you knew that's what you didn't want and i think it was probably the best thing for you
1: yeah yeah and you know and and so i'm seeing uh i'm seeing bands i'll send a shout out to my friends like the the western swing authority um you know all all really good friends of mine there's a perfect example of of Great musicians, you know, playing music that they love and finding a way to do it on their terms and creating a following, bringing people in Um, because people will people love to hear good music. People love that. Yeah. And and audiences
0: aren't as dumb as you sometimes think they are. Most cases they are pretty sharp they know when someone's really good and they know when the singer's great and they know when the guitar player is great or the drummer is really good and they know when it's great entertainment um yeah they 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 get that right and yeah if, if you're doing something you love and you you stick to it uh and work hard at it you'll find your audience always uh and and they'll find you um yeah it, it's really you know really important to do that and and stick it through and 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 see it through and. There are lots of groups, uh, you know, including Western swing authority, which are doing really great. And they're, um, doing Western swing music that nobody knows much about here in this area. Right. And they're teaching them about it and people becoming fans from music that they didn't really even know they liked. Uh, but I, I imagine in, in Nashville, when you're playing on Broadway, it's a different vibe than you get up here for sure um you know oh you
1: never know what you're gonna get a request for anything from from glenn campbell to tanya tucker to the highwayman right up to maybe a thomas Rhett song or something and i'll have to pull the pull the intro riff up on my iphone or or whatever and and do it but it's been fun i've just been doing it only monday nights uh at at a place called rippy's six to ten with this uh with this young lady danielle todd uh, that just asked me one day uh, she just needed a guitar player and i did it and i just had such a blast that i i kept doing it and um and now uh, so great. i've kind of been sad that during this whole shutdown that uh that i haven't been playing with them i've been looking forward to those monday nights uh as a, as a place to go and and just knock around and make some noise turn my amp up a little bit and and just play like like the old days and and man my my playing uh, like it's just all it's just all gotten sharper. It's yeah. just and 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 gotten gotten better because when I when I hit the big stages in the summer like Boots and Hearts and those things, I want to be I want to be like I want to be great. I want to be my my best version of myself. I don't want to be rusty or anything like that when I when I get there.
0: And you have less to think about too. You're not worrying about being that front guy that's got to be constantly engage in the audience and thinking about what am I going to say when this song's done and how we're going to get into this section of the show and what's happening what's the you know what's the drummer doing or what you know whatever you're <laughs> oh, thinking yeah. about you can just get up there and play and that if you're playing guitar and you're the front guy playing guitar is probably one of the last things you're thinking about
1: oh yeah it's it's definitely um it's it's definitely been a challenge uh, because. My heroes have, have been guitar player artists. My heroes were always the Vince Gill's, Steve Warner's, yeah. and then later I found I found heroes in you know Keith Urban and Brad Paisley, guys that were doing it on the super contemporary level. And Brad is a well, they're all freaks. I mean, they're all incredibly talented. Paisley <laughs> is just like a maniac, uh, but Keith Keith uh, certainly made it cool. And and but I was always amazed. I mean, I, I watched. Uh, I I watched Keith Urban, uh, and, and Luke Bryan a couple of summers ago. Um and, and Luke does his thing. He 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 doesn't like play much, although he can. He's a pretty good acoustic player, but he just sings and, and Keith did his show. I thought his show was so electric and and so amazing. And I don't even think that the fans have even realized half of what he was doing on guitar while he was playing. Yeah. It was like and they were equally entertained by by Luke Bryan, who didn't play at all. I mean, they maybe even more so. I don't know. Like it was, it was surreal. I was like blown away by by Keith. Was even better than I than I remembered him from years and years ago when I saw him in a small club. Um, but for me, it was um, you know when I when I hear guys like Vince Gill talk about being just as comfortable in the side guy chair, I actually started uh, before I you know, became an artist for myself. I, I played backup guitar for Jamie Warren and for I even played one year on, on the awards show with Paul Brandt and played for other other bands and stuff around the area just playing side guy and and uh I also enjoy that in the way that for a hockey reference, in the way that you just like to lace up the skates and play pickup hockey with the fellas every now and then.
2: Yeah. You exactly. know
1: and just play a role, just be on defense or something, you know, and just you don't have to be the star of the show. You're just part of the team. Yeah, that's that's the closest reference, I guess, I can come up with.
0: Yeah, makes total sense. Looking kind of back when you are starting out and and thinking about being a musician and you mentioned Garth Brooks earlier. Who else do you think was an influence in in what you're doing nowadays as far as singing and playing and and uh, any any other influences that you had when you were growing oh, yeah. up?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, um, just to so quickly rhyme off some names. It was you know probably I listened to a lot of the I listened to the Eagles and I listened to a lot of Brian Adams, a yeah. lot of Brian Adams. Um, those melodies, uh, you know, all of that, and then uh, I, I seem to. I seem to, I always, I still listen to all those guys. I still listen to Vince Gill. I found, I identified a lot with Steve Warner, uh, the, the tone of his voice. I felt, I felt like I could identify with, I knew I wasn't a baritone. I knew I didn't have a local voice. So I identified to those guys that were more in that higher register, like, like Steve. And, uh, and then, you know, Brian White came, came along and, and, uh, did some great, some incredible records and. And then, and then it sort of evolved from there, you know, like I think I was still living in, you know, in Kitchener-Waterloo in 2001 when Keith Urban exploded with Love Somebody Like You. I was still playing in clubs and I'm like, oh my gosh, that, that's like the the most current version of like what I would aspire to be because he had all the same influences that I did, even though he was older than me. It was, it was Glenn Campbell and for him and, uh, you know, guys like that. And, and so, um, so then, I, I gravitated towards that kind of a that kind of a sound uh, yeah. a little bit, not but not totally because I didn't want to completely copy him. Although I probably did a few times, <laughs> I think we I think we all did. I don't think that there's been anybody since maybe Waylon Jennings or, or that that came along and changed country music as much as Keith Urban did, uh, and like that that whole stomping banjo groove that's on everything, yeah, and the and the four on the floor kick loud kick drum. I mean. I just, I credit Keith Urban with all of that. I really do. And uh, so, so cool, you know, and then, um, so, and then, and then I'm inspired, you know, even I've always been a Kenny Chesney fan just from, uh, from the songs that he chose. You know, he always, Kenny's never cut a bad song. They've always been the best songs he could find in Nashville. And so I'm, nowadays, I mean, I'm, I'm still inspired by all these people, these people. I'm inspired by the, the uh, the heroes still on the radio and and a lot of the young the records being made now i think on both sides of the border in in nashville and in canada there's never been a a a more exciting time the the amount of quality musicianship and writing and production is just fantastic it's just so good everything everywhere i look everything sounds amazing and the songs and the singing and the playing it's all really really great it's very easy to stay inspired
0: you know, it's, it's a bit of a drag now because everything sounds so good now and everyone's just walking around with crappy earbuds and listening to music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's true. It's like exactly. it's sometimes I get so angry. It's like, oh man, if you just... When we grew up, you used to have the, you know, great speakers in your living room or, and, yeah. you know, you took pride of, you got that CD or the record you wanted and, and it sounded so good. And now you put yeah. in... Earbuds and it's just, and you're, you'd accept it. It's great. And I mean, it still works either way, but, uh, it's funny how now that the, everything sounds so good, but everyone's listening to it through <laughs> <Yeah>. crappy headphones. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what they, that's what I've heard that too. That's, that's crazy. But not, not, not me. Uh, you know, I've, I've got, uh, I've actually, uh, I've got a set of ultimate ears, but I, I, I there i also hear that there's plunge audio in canada i gotta talk to those guys because i heard that they're pretty amazing yeah i fly around on flights with with my ultimate ears right now but all my friends are going to these plunge so i'm gonna i might have to check that out but um you know and i've got pretty pretty decent stereo in my truck and and um yeah i can't i can't listen to good music on shitty (laughs) headphones it's funny i
0: (laughs) I just bought a a different vehicle and and i was at the car dealership. and the guy's trying to tell me everything about the car and what type of engine it has and all this stuff. And I was like...
1: Well, how's the stereo? Yeah. So how's I, the stereo? <laughs> I, yeah, first thing I
0: said, I need to listen to the stereo and I want to see yeah. how my phone connects to it. And he just looked at me. <laughs> he was shocked. <laughs> I said, well, no, right. well, yeah, yeah it's,
1: that's it, a big deal.
0: Yeah, I need to know whether I can use Waze. <laughs> It, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. i need to know whether the stereo sounds yeah. any good and i'm I was, right there with you yeah i didn't yeah. care i took it for hey, like man. maybe a three minute drive and it's like yep yeah, drives fine and i came back and i sat in the lot for about an hour and just played with all electronics on it to make sure that everything worked the way i'd want right.
1: it to work yeah, there's a lot hey I'm a you know, I, I got the battery warning on my phone i got it okay i got the 20 percent warning i'm not sure how long you guys uh still plan to go or whatever but i could i could somehow plug it in or something but you let me know
0: no or we can wrap it up um we're good one thing i always like to ask everybody on every podcast if they had a chance to play one particular place that they've never played before do you have that dream location dream venue dream city that you've you've never played but you've always wanted to Who would that be for you
1: you know one of the one of the big unchecked boxes for me is the grand old Opry. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some other artists peers of mine do it, and uh, and I burn with envy. No, <laughs> 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 but uh, but no, I, I uh, you know I grew up watching that show, and you gotta you know you gotta earn your way to that stage. No no doubt about it. Um, and and sometimes it's you know I've had a very successful career in, in Canada as a Canadian artist and some crossover stuff, you know, in in the states on satellite radio and stuff, but. Um yeah, I would love to uh I'd love to play a song on that uh that sacred stage. Yeah. You will. Yeah. You will. It will happen. Your All your right. lips your lips to God's ears or Hank's. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Brian, do you have
0: anything else that you wanted to ask?
2: No, I was I had a great time and Jason, thanks a lot, especially sharing some of those great stories. I was really gonna be intrigued about the Broadway stories. So I was gonna ask if you had a chance to be down there i was there not too long ago and it certainly has changed over the years a whole different ball of wax now yeah it doesn't matter and, and, what day of the week it's it's hopping
1: and for the better on a lot of levels uh, On you a lot bet. Of levels people are getting used to paying uh to, to tipping twenty dollars a song it's becoming yep. more of a norm and that's that's how the income of people i mean because what the hell you're in industrial you're drinking you're probably hammered tip you know you don't have to do you know a bunch of somebody 20 bucks to hear your song you know that's great uh it's like two drinks you know and then um and then also safety uh that you know metro uh is is doing a better job and city council here there's a whole uh sort of community of of uh people that play um artists that that musicians that have been playing down there have really rallied the 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 city council and the mayor's office and, and metro police to uh To help protect them more, which is which is long overdue and and needs to happen. People uh, need to be safe because, let's face it, I mean this is uh, this is Music City, and it just passed Vegas for the Bachelor and Bachelorette capital of the world. I've seen that; that's great, (laughs) you know. And it's big business, and and it's and this is not it's not Nashville without the music, and it's not. It, there's no music without the musicians. Yeah. So, yeah. um, they got to keep them safe. Uh, especially the, the, all those fantastic young lady singers that sing down there and, uh, the need yeah, to right. get back to their vehicles and everything else. And they're, they're doing a much better job uh, as far as I can
2: tell. Excellent. That's great. Good stuff. Very, very good.
0: Well, really appreciate yeah. uh you spending your time and, uh, hope you stay safe and healthy down in Nashville and, and, uh, yeah. enjoy your time with your family. Uh, we'll hope to, uh, reconnect again and if we're either one of us are down in nashville yeah. make sure we reach out and be great too yeah uh, this, is, to grab a drink. this is great
1: please my do it. you guys you guys have my number uh, brian darren i've enjoyed it let's do it again sometime
0: sounds awesome thanks, thanks again Jason. we'll talk, talk to, you, to soon. you soon buddy
1: take care thank now. you guys thank take you. care bye
2: now bye bye bye, bye. bye. bye.